I think I'm going to put the traditional second S back in my name and start pronouncing the J like a Y, like it's supposed to be in Danish, and I will be Jensen. I think that would just look really arrogant. I don't think so. To people that know you? Well, I wouldn't do it to people who know me. Make people call me a different name. Yeah, that would look really weird if you were like, Andy, call me Jensen. Okay, but I'm not doing that. I'm talking about like new people that I've never met. Well... Like, I knew a person who, their name was Anne, mm-hmm. but then when they were 50, mid-50s, all of a sudden they refused to be called Anne and instead wanted to be called Victoria. That doesn't even make sense. No, so I refused to call her Anne. I mean, Victoria. I called her Anne. <laughs> <laughs> I know a person like that who changed her name to something like Nepalese or something. And I, I, I refuse. I, I mean, I don't not. mean to be you judgy and eye rolly about it, but I'm not going to call you Chris Jensen. And I'm not asking you to. However, when I move to Denmark. <laughs> Welcome to episode 89 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I just thought this morning that I can abbreviate this podcast to FTFP. I'm Annie Jones, the owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. It is time for September's reading recap. I know you've all been waiting. I think people do wait I I was not joking. <laughs> I, was, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say that because... Is but, that the theme of our show today? <laughs> arrogance. Um, uh, I'm very sensitive about You that. are. I'm sorry. Okay, but yeah, I think people really do look forward to these. I think so too. I... Which means this month's is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So September was personally a very stressful month for me. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of work and bookstore stress um, that is still trickling into October. Um, and then SIBA and one book and my reading really suffered. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to get out of this habit of finding comfort in Netflix and finding comfort in a good book. Um, but... I don't, I don't the know. The Luke Cage that. premiered today. <laughs> it's going to be so hard for me to get work done on Sunday. I thought about you. Ugh. Um, so yeah, basically that's your disclaimer, listeners, that not a lot of reading got done this month. But but we do have some books to talk about. We have four books. Yeah. Um, which, like, it's usually six to eight, or eight, eight. Eight. So this is a, a half month, but that's okay. That's all right. It happens sometimes. Let's give each other grace. <laughs> yes. What? What? I'm serious. That is all I'm asking of anyone when they meet me. Please just give me a little bit of grace. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know how to respond to that, so I'm just going to move on. Um, Moo. (laughs) Moo. Moo. Oh, God, I forgot I read this. This is why this is great. Um, Moo is a new middle reader uh, book by Sharon Creech. Sharon Creech is beloved by me but also by (laughs) millions of readers um and i don't read a lot of middle reader or ya anymore because i really rely on rebecca to do that but this arc came in and i love sharon creech i loved her when i was a kid and so i decided to read it during hurricane hermine oh yes um the store did not have power one morning and I was waiting for it to get power, and so I just read this book while I waited for the store to open. (laughs) Not bad. It was actually delightful, because I never get to do that. And I got so much done the day that I didn't have power as well. It was just incredible. Can we, like, one day a month turn the power off? I think one day a week. No. 
One day a month. Yeah, one day a week. No. Because so much of my work actually depends on me being able to charge my computer. Yeah. Like, I I need my computer to accomplish the things that I'm required but to do. But one day a month, like a forced Sabbath. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with it. I'm super into it. Turn off my power, government. Well... All right, that was a stretch. Okay, so so this book, Moo, is about a young family. It's narrated by um, the 11, 12-year-old girl. They live in Washington, D.C., but her parents decide to up and move them to the middle of nowhere, Maine. And the book is all about adjusting to life in Maine. It's written both in prose and in poetry. Um, and it also is visually, like, what are the poems where like some of the words are big and there, there's a word for that I learned in creative writing and I can't remember the name of it. Um, but not concrete poetry. Maybe. Cause that's where they like, like the words look like. Yeah. Okay. I think there were some, there was some concrete poetry. It was just all, it's a book to be read visually for sure. Don't listen to this one or mm. read it electronically. I would really think you would want the paper for this one, but, um, Anyway, it's beautifully told because it's told in all these different kind of ways. It's really creative and interesting, and the premise is really neat. Um, I learned a lot about Maine and about um, kind of the culture. It's almost like 4-H culture in the South, but uh -huh. what that looks like up north and in the Northeast, and how this family adjusted from big city life to small town life, and it was inspired by Sharon Creech's daughter's family, okay. who also made the move to like a rural part of... Uh, of America up north, I think either Vermont or Maine. Um, anyway, this book is fantastic. I It's for middle readers, but I thoroughly enjoyed it as an adult. So I don't know, this might be a fun one for parents to read with their kids. Um, or if you're looking, if you're an adult looking for like a break, because I kind of needed one, this fit the bill um, for me. And yeah, also I can't wait to sell it to some children. <laughs> sell Children's. it to some kids. Yeah. So really liked that one. The second one is one that I actually didn't realize you had read, and I think you read it in that time when I was not in the store for several weeks. I think I know which um, one. Woman in Cabin 10. Yes, by Ruth Ware. Big fall thriller, late summer thriller, yeah. late summer thriller. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had read her first book, In a Dark, Dark Wood, mm -hmm. I believe was the name, and I thought it was fine. thought it was perfectly satisfactory. I read this one on a very brief Hurricane Hermine weekend trip. Ah, okay. uh, Jordan and I tend to plan our very brief vacations around natural disasters. Our <laughs> trip to New York, we had a blizzard, so we could not go. And then this, oh, right. we were headed to Jacksonville on vacation, just to show you just how desperate we were. <laughs> we were going to Jacksonville. Not even St. Augustine. No, Jacksonville for a three-day vacation. And the hurricane hit, and it rained the whole time we were there until the day we left. Whatever, I read this book. Uh, Which features a lot of rain on the cover. It does. The cover is really cool. It really is. Because the cover makes it look like you have dropped something wet on your book mm -hmm. and you kind of freak out. Um, so Woman in Cabin 10 obviously takes place on a cruise ship, a very small luxury cruise ship with only 10 cabins. Um, this travel writer kind of has this traumatic opening moment, opening scene where someone breaks into her home and that kind of sets the stage for the suspense throughout the rest of the novel because you kind of immediately are thrust into it like the moment you start the book. Um, but this travel writer, after this traumatic event, goes on this cruise ship to report on this new luxury way of traveling and she's, you know, 
kind of sees a, the woman in cabin 10. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we find out that cabin 10 is vacant. I <gasps> know, <laughs> you're shocked. Um, here's the thing. I read this one alongside Hunter, one of our podcast uh -huh. regulars. He hated this book. Mm. I enjoyed it. I didn't love it. Um, but certainly didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. Um, I actually liked it better than her first one. Um, and, and her first one, by the way, got plenty of good reviews. Yeah, it did. Um, this one, I didn't really guess the surprise or the twist. I think Hunter may have, and so that may be where our differences came. Um, also, I needed a thriller or a short, like, let me just really get engaged in this for a couple of days and then put it down mm -hmm. kind of book. I think I was coming off of swing time. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I really like this. If you like thrillers or you like suspense novels, I'd recommend this one. Uh, like I said, maybe kind of taste dependent. Hunter didn't love it. Um, but it did the trick for me. Good. Yeah. Um, Woman in Cabin 10. The third one is one that we've already talked a lot about yeah. um, on the podcast recently, so we probably don't need to say a whole lot, but Ecology of a Cracker Childhood. Yeah, I will talk a little bit about it only because I interviewed Janice for the podcast, right. but I interviewed her at the same time as I was interviewing her for something else, which meant the entire recording, you can just hear me typing the whole time. <laughs> so not suitable for podcast listening. Gotcha. Um, but basically, Ecology of a Cracker Childhood just celebrated its 15th anniversary of publication. It's been out for a while, but it was our selection for One Book 2016, mm -hmm. where our whole community reads the same book. People in Thomasville, in South Georgia, love Janice Ray. Mm -hmm. They love this book. Many of them had already bought and read this book, um, which made for an interesting one book project this year, um, which I have thoughts on. But I did really love hearing Janice frequently with one book. We bring the author to town. Janice came to town, did a wonderful author lecture and presentation about the book. Um, let me explain the title because coming into it, I honestly, when I sat on the one book committee, I kind of had questions about cracker childhood and, uh -huh. and what does that mean? And are we leaving out groups of readers when we have a book that's titled this way? Um, but cracker is a term for rural South Georgia, North Florida, panhandle mm -hmm. area, part of the country, um, who like not only are born and raised here, but like their parents, their grandparents, like their whole lineage kind of is from here. Mm -hmm. And Janice is one of those. And the book is part Glass Castle-esque memoir, mm -hmm. um, where it's about her life growing up on a junkyard in the rural South. Um, but then she alternates each of those chapters with a chapter on local ecology, like longleaf pine, the gopher tortoise, um, a, a certain type of snake, all chapters that I'll be honest typically would turn me off of a book and I might kind of skim those chapters um, because I am from this region I found that to be really interesting mm -hmm. and one thing I noticed immediately about living in Thomasville is how deeply people here care about the land and I didn't entirely know why that was and so this book explained some of that uh, my parents also read this book as part of one book and it was interesting to get their perspectives because they raised me and my brother to really appreciate the land. All of our vacations were outdoorsy. I mean, we didn't like camp and stuff, but it was national parks, state parks. Like that was our family vacations all growing up. Um, we weren't a theme park family. And I had this appreciation for nature. My mother and father adored nature, but I didn't have an education on it. 
And so this book kind of provided some of that. So if you are from this area or if you listen to this podcast and you want to know more about this area, this might be a fun book for you. Because it alternates, you can decide if you want to kind of read mostly the memoir or just the ecology or if you want to read both. And both are beautifully woven together. Okay, and then your fourth book is one that I read about last week in the store that sounds really fascinating to me, partially because my last name is Jensen, probably properly pronounced Jensen. Um, my great, great, great? No, hold on, I gotta do this math. Great, great grandfather, Peter Jensen, came to the United States in the 1890s from Denmark. Okay. And this book is The Year of Living Danishly. So tell me how the people of Denmark live. Well, can I ask you a question? How, mm -hmm. did, how had you heard of this book? I don't know. I'm just wondering, because, okay, because I found it on Instagram. Uh, Shauna Nequist, an author I really like, posted about this book. So then this was very funny to me. My, I placed a special order for myself. Mm -hmm. My mom immediately texted me, not knowing I had placed an order for myself, and placed an order for herself. Mm -hmm. And then my aunt texted me. Did one of them come in in a box last week? Oh, yeah, probably. That's where I heard about oh, okay. it. Okay. So all three of us, without <laughs> knowing, special ordered this book together. Um, and, yeah, basically it's a happiness project type of book where this woman is from Great Britain and she spends a year living in Denmark with her husband. He gets a job with Lego, and they move to Denmark. And, of course, most of us know that Denmark is the happiest nation on Earth, like consistently ranked up in the top. All the Scandinavian nations are. Mm -hmm. um, but this book kind of delves into maybe why that is, and each chapter kind of covers a different part of Danish life, whether it's education, children, design, um, how they handle their winters, which are which sound <laughs> horrific um they're like they get like five hours of sunlight mm -hmm. it's i which i look i am deeply affected by weather very, very, I, I, very far north i do not think i would handle that well um but also the role that taxation plays and having free education free university free childcare, um all these kind of things that they're very heavy taxes pay for um but then there were also some really interesting things that kind of contradict a lot of happiness um, research. Like, they're not a super religious country, mm -hmm. obviously. Despite producing the foremost Christian philosopher of the 19th century, Soren Kierkegaard. Yeah. My hair twin. <laughs> Your hair twin? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm going to Google that later. I'll Google for you right now. Um, so, yeah. Wait, we're just going to pause. No, we're not. We're going to keep recording no, while I, I show you this hair. I know, but I, I'll lose my train of thought. I can't. Uh -uh. Yeah, it's it's fine. I already have. It's lost. But people love listening to this. Okay. Like, well, Google. Oh, he does have your hair. He also looks like Beethoven. I think that might be not totally inaccurate, but also they're just old portraits. That's true. Um, okay, so yeah, kind of all these different aspects of Danish life, but then again, that interesting the the interesting aspects of they're not super religious. Um, they are not healthy, mm -hmm. meaning like they have this great healthcare system or this free healthcare system, but it's almost like because they know they are cared for, um, they are heavy smokers, heavy drinkers. Um, they just don't have a lot of concern right. because they know they'll be cared for. And is that a key to the happiness? I think so. Mm. Yeah. Is that they... They're not worried. They're not worried. And they also are very communal. Mm -hmm. um, there are only 5.5 million people in Denmark and many of them are related. And almost all of them are named Jensen. That's when it comes up in this book is that she moves here 
and discovers, oh no, she is a complete outlier. Like it's not a land, they're trying to become more inclusive, but really Denmark is a pretty close-knit, um, tightly woven community. Mm -hmm. So I just learned, it was, I told someone earlier, like it's one of those books that I would find myself like nudging Jordan awake just to read him interesting facts. Um, it's not, it's it's British, so it's very different writing style from maybe Gretchen Rubin. But if you like Gretchen Rubin's books, you'll certainly like this one. I'm a sucker for The Happiness Project, The Year of Living Biblically. Like, give me all of these year-long projects. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and hers is just really eye-opening because I knew nothing about Denmark. Right. And so my mind was blown by so many just interesting facts. And it's it's always important, I think, to read about parts of the world that are different from ours. Of course. And why certain things work there that wouldn't work here or why Americans are different. She's got a friend she calls American Mom who is also living in Denmark. And kind of her thoughts um, and how they're all adjusting to life in Denmark. Um yeah, I would highly recommend this one. It's it's different. I think I think it's been out a little while. I like I said, I picked it up solely based on an Instagram recommendation. Um, my mom is reading it, and I will say she finds it to be a little depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that makes sense, right? Because of the type of reader my mom is, and because there are parts of the book that are unsettling, right? Like. <laughs> I won't go into details, but there's a chapter kind of sort of about the sex life of the Danish mm-hmm. and swingers mm-hmm. and things like that. And my poor, my mom <laughs> and I saw each other yesterday and my mom was like, I just finished this chapter. And then she told me something like this term she had never heard before, which I had also never heard because I am my mother's child. And we both were kind of talking about that. But my mom, that deep, like that bothered her deeply. When and, we're done recording, I will ask you what this word is. <laughs> and... And I think that little part of the book, to me, my mom was like, well, that made me unhappy. Mm. Like, that made me sad that people live like that. But for them, it's such intense freedom. Right. And just... These are different worldviews. Right. And just being able to do whatever you would like to do. And so, anyway, that being said, um, I really enjoyed this one. The Year of Living Danishly, it's by Helen Russell. Interesting. And I know you did actually read a couple more, if we're including children's books. Oh, yeah. Because you read King Baby by Kate Beaton. Oh, I did. And I also read um, the one, King of the Birds, mm-hmm. that was a special story time last week for our shop. Um, yeah, I did. And, and both of those are really <laughs> They're wonderful. great, wonderful books. And I also picked up a lot of books this month that I read a couple of chapters and either decided they weren't for me or just gave them a break. So I did start and stop a lot this mm-hmm. month, which is not typical of me, but it is typical of this very stressful month that I am happy to say goodbye to. <laughs> Wake me up when September ends. Correct. Green day. Correct. T- tomorrow. <laughs> Saturday. Um, so yeah, I did read, I read some children's books and I watched some good television. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, maybe that counts. As, it's all narrative. As, right. As it's story. all story. Um, but I'm curious, are you just reading for school? Yeah. I started D.W. Robertson's A Preface to Chaucer, which is a 500-page book from 1962 that I already know all about because it's a cornerstone of my field. And I already know that I disagree with its main premise, <laughs> which is essentially that everybody who had contact with literature in the Middle Ages was a man with an 
with a very orthodox Christian faith, hmm. which I... You disagree. I can't believe that that is true. Um, and this book is from 1962. People have different ideas now, but right. my professor says that not enough people actually read this entire book. So I started it yesterday. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Take my exams in November and... This better be on it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, so not my favorite thing, although I, I read the first 50 pages yesterday, so the first 10, 10% are right. All right. Um, and, like, I didn't hate it at all. Okay, well, that's a good sign, right? Yeah, there are good ideas in it, even if it leads to an extreme conclusion that I don't like. Um, I started, after finishing Year of Living Danishly, the new Maria Simple, uh-huh. uh, author of Where'd You Go, Bernadette. She's got a new book coming out called This Day Will Be Different. Probably read the first 30 pages last night. I'm super intrigued. I mm. can't, hmm, I have thoughts, but I don't want to have thoughts until I've read a little bit more. Right. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm reading right now. I also wanted, just for a couple of minutes, to give a plug to, we have gotten some really wonderful business thanks to the podcast. Oh, wow. And I wanted, I know, Chris, I shared with you one of the emails we got from Cheryl. She's a listener um, of the podcast, and she kind of went back through a backlog of our episodes and Mm -hmm. wanted to let us know that she enjoyed listening to us every week. And she also told me that she did not have a local bookstore of her own. So we kind of emailed her and just told her, hey, if you ever want to order from us, like, we'd be happy to do that. And I don't necessarily want to plug this, but also I do because we can be your independent bookstore. If you don't have one in your area, we are either happy to tell you one, like, if we know of one, we're happily to point you in that direction, or we can order books for you. And ship them to you. And ship them to you. And we ordered several books for Cheryl out in Fremont, California, (laughs) and shipped them to her. And nothing made me happier than realizing, hey, you're listening to this podcast. She ordered a lot of books she had heard about on the podcast. And now I told her she's got enough books to kind of last her through the fall, I think. So that was just really fun and kind of a perk of the podcast that I forget, which is Mm -hmm. that if you're listening to this and you like some of the books you hear on our reading recaps or as we're conversing, we can get those to you. So Absolutely. If, if you don't have a local bookstore of your own to support, um, we're happy to either point you in the right direction or be your local bookstore in, in Thomasville. Long distance. Long distance local bookstore. That's all right. We can be there for you. So that's just a little plug I wanted to share. You can find full episodes of From the Front Porch on iTunes or on our store website. That's www.bookshelfthomasville.com. And while you're there, you should also just check out our social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram, where we are often showing you some behind-the-scenes things and just being, in general, fun and beautiful humans. (laughs) And you can follow us there at Bookshelf Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week.